G'day everybody and welcome to the 5th Quarter Podcast brought to you by Podcast Central. Today we're here with episode 6, G Long Way to the Top. In a week where we saw a few teams bounce back after round 1, some went the other way, but others just continued their disastrous start to 2019. We're here to recap the key happenings of round 2 and look at what's to come across the upcoming weekend of footy. So I'm Nathan, the frustrated Frio fan, and I'm with Brent, the winning West Coaster. That's more like it, isn't it, boys? And uh, Ben, the ever-dejected Essendonian. What the hell was that? <laughs> Wake up. Also, hi. So, guys, just a reminder to go to tipping.fifthquarterpodcast.com and join our tipping competition. We're only three weeks in. As you're probably well aware, things haven't been going the way everyone's been predicting. So, you're still a chance to catch up if you want to register now. So, just to recap round two. Uh, so... I myself actually won the round. Yes, go me. With Justin and Ben coming into second and third. Overall, I've got uh, myself on 11, Ben on 10, and Justin on 9. And we actually had two additions over the round. So Ash and Bree joined the comp. So uh, yeah, keep coming in and joining. In and and um, I haven't checked, but they're probably already doing better than me. <laughs> I probably, yeah. Yeah, we, we won't comment on that. I can't, I can't get ahead of myself. <laughs> so we, guys, we had an interesting round too. Um, so we'll kick off, I guess, with heroes and villains and see what all of our heroes and villains were for the round two players. Hero for me, Darcy Moore. If you think way, way back to last Thursday, he was basically, and we ended up being who Richmond were missing in Alex Rance. He was the intercept marker. He was setting up passages of play from the defense. A good feeling I, for him. Oh, yeah, it was great. If you're, Especially if you're a Collingwood fan. Mm. And that uh, he basically was kept turning the tide for Collingwood. Eventually, you know, broke Richmond down, and Collingwood ended up winning the whole thing by you know a decent margin. Villain for me, just probably going to be a little bit contentious to some people, but for me, it's James Sicily. He played a decent game against the Bulldogs, but for me, he cost them that game. The game is on the line. Bulldogs have just kicked a goal. They are now it's basically neck and neck. Free kick Bulldogs, they kick another goal. All of a sudden, they're a goal up. Cut to, I think it's like a minute or two after the fact. He has a free kick paid against him. He decides to abuse the holy hell out of the umpire, who get who then pays a 50-meter penalty, which basically puts him in front. Who So then the Bulldogs kick another goal. All of a sudden, the two goals up, and the Bulldogs' momentum is just skyrocketed. It's you know, And that's what costs Hawthorne the game. You can't do that. Not anymore. Rant over. Yeah. Rant over. I, I wouldn't... Oh, yeah, I agree with you. It's silly. I think um, for him, he'd seen it happen all day. But in his defense, MP threw like four or five punches before he got picked up on one. So yeah. I'm like, throwing a little one, he probably thought, oh, I might get away with it. The O'Meara one, I think, was a joke. Um, but in saying that as well, Libba, when he kicked his goal, the second last goal of the game... He went and gave a bit of stick to the opposition and nothing got paid. So, I mean, I, I think Sicily is stupid for doing something where he knows it's been paid all day, but he's also very, very harshly done by. He is one of those players though, that will do that and he might lose you two games a season. But he's also the kind of player who will win you two games a season. So is that oh. sort of thing forgivable if he's... Yeah, I don't know. We'll speak, yeah. like, I mean, another player who'd win you a couple of games a season is Luke Hodge, <laughs> but he threw a punch at Aaron Hall and he was fine. Yeah. And that was in plain sight. So maybe I mean, maybe, comes... maybe you're right. The umpires were like, it's James Sisley. And yeah. they're probably like, well, that's James, that's Luke Hodge. I'm not going to do anything about that. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's also that. <laughs> um, how about you, how about you yeah. Brent? Well, I've gone, the, um, I've gone a bit of a double up with Ben, but going the other way. So my hero was Josh Shackey. Yep. Just instrumental in the in the Bulldogs' comeback and just sort of throwback to the 2016 grand final when Tom Boyd announced himself. You know, they were five goals down or more in the third quarter and Josh Shackey like really came to the fore, taking huge contested grabs. Mm-hmm. He kicked three goals in the third quarter to really bring the dogs back into it. And obviously there's players like Jack McRae who were just amazing all day like he is, but there's a time and place for key forwards to make game-winning plays and he rocked up at the right time and I think he's almost 50 games into his career, so it was a similar point of time that Tom Boyd did it and won the book, you know, pretty much won the Bulldogs a flag. So mm. 
is my hero for the week. I've actually got um, 16 villains this week, and I'm going to name them all because they're probably listening. We've <laughs> got Nathan Broad, Oleg Markov, Daniel Rioli, Jason Castagna, Jack Higgins, Nick Vlast- Vlastuin. Yep, Vlastuin, yep. Kane Vlastuin. Lambert, Trent Cochin, Brandon Ellis, Jaden Short, David Asprey, Jack Revolt, Mav Weller, Tom Lynch, Dustin Martin, and Shane Edwards. Do you know how many? That's 16 players. Do you know how many tackles they laid? I'm going to go with. Well, if they're all if they're villains to this week, I'm going to go with like not many. Yeah, probably uh, one between all of them. Can can we give Jack Revolt a pass? He had a broken wrist. Yeah, lay an attack with a broken wrist. <laughs> yeah. You might. Yeah, you probably end up harming it a lot more. <laughs> I'm going to say less than ten between all sixteen of them. Ten. Wow. Ten. So sixteen players laying ten tackles. I don't think That's Alex Rance can defend that. That is a joke. Wow. So the first thing everyone jumped on was no Rance, no Richmond. How about no tackling, no Richmond? But that's surprising like, considering they're so well known for their defensive pressure. As I went through the list of people who didn't lay a tackle and then I looked at the 2017 Premiership season yeah. and the grand final, the, you'd see the players up there laying tackles. Daniel Rioli, I'm pretty sure that's like all he did in the grand final yeah. was lay yeah. 100 tackles. Shane, Shane Edwards is far better than a one tackle a game player. Oh, you bet. Dusty's usually good for two or three, so he's... Two or three below par. He's laid zero That's for the, for the year. season. Yeah. That's for the season. That's... Jack, I'll, I'll, I should take Jack off. We'll make fifteen villains. Um, I'll, I'll give even between fifteen. 10 I'll give tackles. Revolt a pass. So he did. Did he lay? But any? He, no, he didn't lay so any. So he's still at ten. Even. But he's usually good for a couple of games. Yeah, forward fifty. And he, yeah. He, yeah, you see him go down really early. Good on him for battling on. But yeah, but you look at the, his teammates. That's someone excusable, and we posted on the Facebook page. Someone like Dustin Martin, who's so damaging offensively, then he was completely shut out of the game. He hasn't kicked a goal all year. He's kicked. Ooh, I don't think he's kicked a score all year. Completely shut out of the game. It's funny because they spoke about this week. You hear hear Paul Ruse talk about Nat Fife having no defensive game. But I'm sure he probably did more than Dusty's done over the last two weeks. I'm sure he's laid a tackle at least. Yeah, if you're not going... I mean, isn't that one of the common things they say about when you're getting tagged out of a game? Go the other way. Yeah. If they're not letting you get off the chain, go the other way. Yeah. And Shane Edwards is probably my favourite Richmond player, so I'm probably more disappointed in him than anyone else. <laughs> but when your captain's laying one tackle, he's sort of setting the standard for the rest oh. of the team. And 15 healthy players laying 10 tackles is... Alex Rance is a non-issue. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you're laying a tackle for Richmond in that game, you'd feel pretty isolated. Imagine if you've come out with five and the rest of your team's put in. Yeah, like, that's I can only imagine what Hardwick would have said to them throughout the week then. Because, like, again, well, that's, even, a, that's a staple of their game plan. He even said... Pressure, back, pressure, pressure. He even said addressing the Rance issues, the back six were fine. It was the midfield. Just, yeah. No, no defense can put up with... Just the midfield and even your forward line just not putting in effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so my almost hero for the week was Oscar McInerney. Went back and took two big marks, two goals, took a third mark and everyone was raving on him. Just missed it. Um, but he kind of, not that Brisbane were out of the game, but he really gave him a leg up. Um, but my other actual hero for the week, which I think Robbo's taken on Monday anyways, but... Um, Sam Collins for, for the Gold Coast. Yeah. So for someone that got completely starved of opportunity at their former club um, who showed a lot of promise but then never got given opportunity to go out and take the cookies against his former team in a critical moment of the game that really stopped them from taking anything out of that game, good on him. So thumbs up Sam Collins and what you're able to do going back and getting yourself ready to play another season in the AFL. So. I'm so glad that you brought that up because uh, he was my almost hero. And it's just the, um, I guess, the tragic or lovable irony of the AFL when you see a player that, I mean, he came when Freo were kind of stacked for key defenders and not yep. not exactly like he couldn't have got gotten a game over Zach Dawson, but not when Ross <laughs> Lyons, the coach. Exactly. So, you know, that happens. Players, especially key position players, sort of get squeezed out. And then to... Leo Barry, you star. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just the beautiful it was, irony of the AFL, I think. And I hated that moment of the game, but I have such respect for someone that like didn't get given really a chance and has come out and taken a chance against the team that didn't give a chance. So I also loved the um the wry smile from 
Ross Lyon. They cut straight up and yeah. just... Yeah. <laughs> Villain, as probably easily predicted by most people this week, and one thing that I can could not believe my eyes was Langford and Guelphie. Like, so I was sitting there watching it as they ran away from the ball and I was completely bamboozled about what was happening. And then I thought the only analogy I can draw is that when you're on a on a work site and someone's like, smoko boys, and then no matter what you're doing, no matter how critical the job is, you just down tools and go and have a kebab or do whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's what it felt yeah. like. It's like they're like, oh, yeah, we'll get back to this after and just stepped off the field. And I don't know what Langford's excuse was. I know he's come out and apparently spoken to the, the playing group, but I can, uh, from, from under 10s, I can remember that the first thing you do is go for the ball. You get the ball and... If you're running to the bench and the ball's right there, you don't just step off the park. But unless you see that, like you didn't, you know, the ball wasn't even out of bounds. That, that's and the he problem. went and he went through the wrong interchange. You you wait for the <laughs> yeah, ball to right. actually go out of bounds, so that if there's an actual stoppage, then you can potentially come off, or even stay at can, that stoppage and then a, wait for the next passage of play and then come off. A few people have said it's been blown up, but like I commented to you guys. When the game was on, I wouldn't have even put them back on. No, not a chance. so you're more interested in sitting on the bench than oh, I don't care what playing football. You can just sit it. there. Yeah, there's there's no way. And I would love for someone to interview. I don't know who picked up the ball, but the, whoever St Kilda player picked up the ball, I'd love to interview him and know what was going through his head at that time because he would have just been I like, think it, for some reason, I think it was Looney. I don't okay. know. Yeah, it was, it was Jack Looney because yeah. I can imagine like because it, it was, was a just three. Like, he won a he won a two on one. Yeah. And then and then they walked off. And, yeah. and I can just imagine he's thinking, did something happen? And I've like completely missed yeah. a call or something because it'd be like good on him. He just took off, but oh, took that, took the advantage. That was mind blowing. <laughs> the mentality you must have to go. Oh, I've just lost that contest. See Better us. go off on the interchange bench then. <laughs> That's such a defeatist there was, attitude. There was that moment, and then Andrew McGrath, St Kilda player, had taken a mark. Or it was a free kick in St Kilda's forward fifty. And he kicked it into Hurley. Is that the one? No, and Andrew McGrath no, just threw his yeah. arms in the air, argued with the umpire, didn't go on oh, the mark, and the yeah, St Kilda player yeah. just yeah. ran off. Yeah. And I think that's just indicative of where Essendon are at the moment. They, <sighs> they they've forgotten how to play football. Oh, I think it was, was mind blowing. I, I remember trying to tell someone about it, and they they didn't believe me until I showed them the footage. So, um, yeah, it was smoke for Langford and Guelphie, and they should have never come back. Ah, yep. so yeah. we'll bring you we'll bring you to the news segment before we get into the previews. Uh, the first thing on top of the agenda was the Liam Picken retiring. Yeah, um, obviously still going through some some issues with that. Any heart. thoughts on that, guys? Because it's it is a difficult. Um, I don't know. As, as someone that loves the game, it's hard for us to just watch someone of his ability to just step away from something that's completely out of his control. Yeah, I, I think that happens for like. For most, when you, when you have a player like you said of that caliber, you want them to go out on their own terms, yeah. and so when they don't, it just it's like oh, you you could like you really want them to to be able to do that, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately, just he wasn't given that opportunity. Yeah, it's um, hard because like you th- you think about some players go out because they're injured or they're getting old and they've done an ACL. Yeah, but um, I guess for him, it's it's not even something he could rehab. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a lifelong. Hard. Potentially, it's a lifelong issue. And it was a JLT concussion last mm. year, and it was it was pretty gross to watch. I don't know if you guys saw yeah. it at the time. Yeah, when he's... Yeah, and even just the way his was, hand was and stuff. Yeah, it was just yeah. really sickening concussion. And the fact that it's 18... Well, I guess not 18 months on, but you know, it's a season and a bit. A little over a year, yeah. On, and from what you hear from Beveridge and just what the Bulldogs talk about it, he makes... He was making great strides and then one day would forget how to walk up the stairs or struggle to walk up the stairs. So it just seems like... That is frightening. And to be honest, I was surprised he didn't retire at the end of last year, but I guess because he keeps making progress and then there's setbacks. So, and yeah. we still have... We still have... We know nothing about concussion. Yeah. Like we know a bit, but we still struggle it, to figure out. I reckon it would have been the footy player in him that kind of, that kind of went, okay, you know... We could try. We could retire at the end of the like at the end of last year, or 
we keep going. We we do the preseason. We mm-hmm. we keep trying and trying and trying, and we see what we can do for this next season coming up. And it, yeah, unfortunately, it just it panned out the way it did, and so we he had to call it quits. Yeah, um, he's sort of heart and soul player like that, and he's sort of summed up. I guess what we love about footy is not the biggest bloke. He's sort of played like mm-hmm. a weird centre half forward kind of role, especially mm-hmm. in the finals that he'll go down in history for playing. He was probably their best player. Yeah. But to see, like, not the smallest guy on the field, but obviously not a very big one. Mm-hmm. One of the toughest players you'll see, and he threw himself into everything and just yeah, what he brought to the club outside of his footballing ability, like his smarts and just his willingness to put everything on the line for his club, and it's just yeah. heartbreaking to see it. I do wonder, taken away from him. Yeah, I do wonder if this is a bit of like a, a stepping stone for other players in the AFL as well, who, like especially like people like Paddy McCartan, who maybe keep contemplating coming back onto the field, or you know may have suffered a, a slight concussion and have you know go through the the rigor morale and the protocol and everything like that, and then get back into the field. I'm I'm hoping it's a wake up call for the people that doubt concussions are a serious issue. So mm. sometimes you hear that the game's going soft or players are soft because they've got concussions and they can't play the next week. But we've seen with Liam, yeah, John Brown, John. <laughs> we've seen with Greg Williams has said the same thing as well. Like he's struggled with it since yeah. he played, and we've seen obviously the NFL is a lot more extreme. They have a lot more head blows because they wear helmets. But we've seen the cases. In the NFL, of players who've had multiple concussions, and they just a lot of them have committed suicide. So it's a serious issue. Oh, definitely. And hopefully, this is a wake up call to anyone who thinks it isn't. Yeah. Players are going to get hit in the head. That's it's a contact sport, but yeah. we have to do everything we can to minimise it, and especially the the force on their head. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's um last thing on that. I guess was it's it's not only bad for the players where we see that they've got ongoing issues. Um, I, know, I remember once, the, the most scared I've ever been on a footy field is when I got concussed and I remember standing on the wing having no idea what I was doing and I saw my player run in at the centre bounce and I just kind of stood there watching and I just had no idea what I was doing there. It, for that to be something that is ongoing for the rest of your life, especially for Liam and, and anyone else who's going through it, would be really, really scary. Yeah. You pretty much just summed up like my footy career, not because I was concussed, I just had... No idea what was going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other part of the coin is we saw this week Sam Shaw, a former Adelaide Crow, came out and is suing the club yeah, over yeah. treatment over his concussion. I read so, about that. Yeah, both sides, it's kind of challenging territory to get into, yeah. um, unknown territory. So obviously a lot of precaution needs to be taken as we go further in, in, in I guess, pursuing a solution to that. Second and more lighthearted issue we're going to cover today and it's probably a relief for almost everyone that supports footy, is Mason Cox getting off his charge for, as Brent would put it. Being tall and standing on a football field. <laughs> That's the one. So any other thoughts on that besides the fact that he pretty much just stood there? and Well, it reminds me of the Nick Natanui tackle from last year where because he was 30 kilos heavier than Carl Lehman and then the, the AFL council said, well, the responsibilities. Based, you know, basically on Nick Nat to do the the physics in his brain to figure out <laughs> how much am I going to hurt this guy because I weigh thirty kilos more than him. You can just yeah. imagine and pulling out a scientific calculator yeah, on the wing. Just, or something. Yeah. The next step is bibs with your weight class on it. So yeah. <laughs> if you weigh too much, you can't tackle anyone. So yeah, I mean, if Mason was ten centimeters shorter, he probably wouldn't even hit him in the head. Oh yeah, um, Mason Cox gets off a of standing on a football, football field. Yeah. How much different is that to the Stephen May suspension? The difference, I think, being Stephen May generated momentum. Yeah, right. He got off his heels onto his toes in a like a deliberate bumping action to stop the player running at him. Okay. I think is the main one, and the Mason Cox one is he was running back to the goal square, whether to lead or create space, saw Asprey coming and braced for contact. And... Like I said, if it was 10 centimetres shorter, he wouldn't have hit him in the head and no one would... Grimes, Grimes, yeah. No one would care. Yeah. And then Grimes, maybe from the concussion, just got up and elbowed Jamie Elliott. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's been mentioned. I didn't like either of them. I think May May was stiff and Cox is... I'm glad he didn't get done. The main issue is the head high contact. Yeah. 
and you sort of have to draw a line between intentional and standing there. Yeah. Well, not not even reckless or. Um, well, you look at this Shannon Hearn one from last year where he did every both players were sort of running towards each other and Hearn did everything he could to stop. Yeah. Inevitable contact and the common sense decision was well, he did everything he could to not hit the player and he still hit him. Yeah. So, you know, is he guilty of running around on a football well, field? Well, yeah. My big issue with this, and I'm glad he got off because the big issue I had with Cox getting a week was the fact that Dylan Grimes puts an elbow into a guy's head yeah, and, they and gets the, the same consequence. Yeah, it's a week. Damned yeah. the same. Yeah. yeah. So that that's where I didn't find it to be justice where someone can throw an elbow or stand there mm. and you both get suspended for the same period of time. Yeah, I think they get tied up in trying to have strict interpretations of what things are because when they had the match yeah. review panel on this point system, which was one of the dumbest things they've done, but they've sort of carried it over. So, I mean, they should have guidelines around what, that that help that helps Michael Christian Slater make these decisions. <laughs> Michael Christian Slater. But surely there has to be common sense, right? So well, you should be no taking- one wants to see players just charge in with an elbow and hit someone in the head. No, and then no. someone beat seven foot tall. It was on Jamie out. Elliott, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's the last guy we want to see get injured. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> but like you would think that they would be taking this on a case by case basis. And I mean we've seen For sure. in the past, no, I think Andrew Gaff went up for a mark and Carl Eamon just threw an elbow at him and knocked him out and he got five or six weeks because of the action of swinging an elbow. And yeah. But when you can tell when the intention is to hurt someone and yep. Grimes' intention was to hurt yep. Elliot, maybe not hit him in the face, but his intention was to hurt right. him. Right. Whereas Mason's was to protect himself and just not let, Grimes, you know, not let Grimes bump him over. So I've gone from sad news to lighthearted news to probably the best news of the week is the Adelaide Crows winning the AFLW and Aaron Phillips being crowned the best player of the season. Although bittersweet in itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bittersweet on her part. Um, she handled it really well and obviously she dominated that game for two and a half quarters. Like get, she dominates every game she yeah. plays essentially. To get herself best on ground in that, best on ground for the whole year. and yeah, um, Barring two. The only, the only downside of that was Carlton got flogged and as a grand final, 53,000. Yeah, depends so, on your perspective. Like, Carlton getting flogged in a grand final, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's very odd watching a grand final where two players go down on the same team with ACLs, one in the first quarter and one halfway yeah. through the third quarter. And yeah. they still just monstered Carlton, but that's indicative of where the league is at. And we saw it all year, Adelaide are miles ahead of anyone, and Carlton probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. And biggest regret for that round was, as I mentioned a few days prior was Adelaide were paying 360 to win by 40 plus. <laughs> well, oh. should have gone on that. Can't believe it was that much. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, oh, maybe a dollar five. Yeah. I think if a team finishes and their percentage is 220 or whatever it was. Should yeah. be... I think, what do they concede two goals in their last two games before the granny? Yeah. yeah and I combined think, two yeah, goals. Yeah. Carlton actually managed to do what the uh, like Geelong and Frio couldn't do and yeah. actually kick multiple goals in a game eight eight points and then no nine points and then eight points yeah that's not bad <laughs> okay so that's the news for the week guys now we're looking at round three so it kicks off with a really bumper game this evening adelaide and geelong at adelaide oval any tips if you can go by anything we've seen in the first two rounds of the year guys uh, um, I w- i've tipped adelaide Solely because I know they're a lot better at home than they are away, and they've won away. Unless they're playing Hawthorne. But Jong are vastly better than they were last year. I'm already overreacting and changing, <laughs> finishing on the ladder. It's a long way to the top, baby. Yeah, and this is so no. I have absolutely no idea. I'm just going Adelaide because they're the home team, if- and they seem to be getting back on the right track. Yeah. And they have the talent to beat Geelong although having said that so did Melbourne for yeah. sure and there's two so I should probably say there's two outs one for each team Sam Jacobs out which is actually a big out that for Adelaide, really big, for Adelaide. Yeah. Um, Riley O'Brien coming in um, won't fill the Sam Jacobs void but good luck to him this weekend is that like I would assume then that Adelaide without source would be pretty dry I'll just let you stew on that Brent any chance you can throw some crickets in <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'll give him a shot. Chirp, chirp. <laughs> so Jack Henry's out injured for the Cats, and Lockie Henderson comes straight back in. Uh, they, were, they were pretty impressive against Melbourne. The oh, fact yeah. that Melbourne got 72 inside 50 opportunities against Geelong makes me wonder if another team could have done some massive scoring and against them. Clayton Oliver and With Angus. an actual forward line. Yeah, for I think sure. Clayton Oliver and Angus Brayshaw had almost 80, probably 80 disposals between them. Yeah. yeah I don't so think they lose often. How they? many of them would have been technically effective? <laughs> I wonder. I haven't looked at that, but... I mean, even even they could have they could have gone at a hundred percent, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're going to kick a goal from them. Yeah. Um, no, I if I could tip a draw, I would, because that seems a lot. That seems well, just the, as the bookies have, because they're both going at a dollar ninety. Well, there you go. Like no one knows. Yeah, it's it's a literal toss up, and even the recent history doesn't give us much to go on. So Adelaide's won the last three before that. Geelong won two. So the last five, it's almost split down the middle. Um. I, I, I'm tipping. I'm gonna tip Adelaide because I think they found their, their. Obviously, they found their mojo uh, again uh, up against Sydney in Sydney, and with the amount of inside fifties that Melbourne were able to generate, if you can get if, if Adelaide clearly has a better forward line than Melbourne, so if they're able to utilize those inside fifties, get the same amount of inside fifties, then it's Adelaide's game to win for sure. So. How many goals do you reckon West Coast would kick if they got it inside 50, 72 times? 72? Well, well, <laughs> well no, it'd probably be more like, uh, depending on whether or not Kennedy's on or not, it'd probably be more like, you know, 30, 40. <laughs> like, 50, like, it'll be a 50-50. Kennedy will win the Coleman from one game. Yeah. Oh, easily. <laughs> yeah, I think, oh, I think I'm going Adelaide. Uh, I did say last week with the Swans-Adelaide game that I was giving Adelaide one more chance and if they didn't win, I was going Geelong this week. They won. So, right, so anyone who hasn't been and... following the tipping competition, I got two in round two and no, two in round one and three last week, so don't listen to me. <laughs> Even though I've said Adelaide. <laughs> I'm going and Geelong. And I'm green. <laughs> who did you go with, sorry? Well, Brent said Adelaide, I'm going Geelong. <laughs> well, I'll go Adelaide. So there you go. I'm I'm I'll I'll be I guess I'm I'm following the the downward path with you, Brent. Yeah. I'm not complaining if you go. <laughs> You're only one behind me, so well, I need you to it. drop yeah. one. There you go. Game two, Friday night footy at the MCG. Blockbuster, absolute rip snorter. Oh, here we go, We've boys. Got the Bottom of the table blockbuster. This is this is going to be the grand final this year. Count on it. It's the D's and the Dons, Friday night footy. Don't know how they got that slot. <laughs> Battle for the wooden spoon. <laughs> I'm really torn. I um. It's a, yeah, this is this has this just is one as of, mu- uh, difficult a tip as the last game in Adelaide. It's Geelong. one of those games that's difficult because you don't know who's worse. Because that's my thing. Who's going to play worse? Yeah, Melbourne's yeah. issue was they weren't actually bad against Geelong. Just couldn't, couldn't kick a goal. Yeah, that. Um, I don't. I don't think I've seen a team lose by eighty points and get seventy two inside fifties. It's, everyone's going to go on about it over like it is, but it it's, it's an anomaly. Seventy two inside fifties and not win. Right, it's so very Fre- much an anomaly. So Frio North Melbourne Frio got sixty eight inside fifties. Put that into context, where they kick twenty one goals. Yeah, Melbourne get more inside fifties <laughs> and kick what fifty four. I don't even know what they scored. They kicked forty six points. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, that is Whereas, horrendous. Then you sort of look those at those are actual misses. Like they kept missing their goal. And then you look at Essendon, and they sort of look like, well, me, I guess. If they were like, "Hey, mate, you want to go play a bit of game of footy well, against an AFL team?" It's certainly St Kilda, so you should be all right. Here's the thing. And then I can I'll agree with you from the first half. The second half, they seem to wake up, like. Marginally, they 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 stopped saying they stopped saying they Kilda were from scoring a very, decent amount. They, Essendon were very very lucky they weren't playing a better team. Oh yeah, that game was over at quarter time and St Kilda were better. Oh for sure. But what I'm saying is that the Essendon did wake up and they did actually start playing football. It was just way too little, way too late. If Essendon are actually still waking up, like they've actually like they they heard the alarm, they finally heard the alarm. I like to think they're finally getting out of bed now. This game is where they start drinking their cup of coffee. And they yeah, actually they start need playing. at least fifteen Red Bulls each. Yeah, if that's what it takes, then drink at, your at Red each, Bulls, boys. Break. And I think we haven't seen the teams come out yet, obviously, but I think they need to drop some players. And oh, they, they will. They have to. Carl Langford, Matt Wilhelm. Carl <laughs> oh. Langford for one. Um, Fantasia. I even Tip and Woody played 
badly. Average, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, it was... I'd be dropping Bagley as well. Westfold is historically not known for you know swinging the axe, but if they lose again the same way, they yeah they has to. Or and against Melbourne, the team that people are just laughing at right now. The only yeah. team potentially worse than me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've got Melbourne though. Yeah, I think I'm going Melbourne based on I just their... based off they weren't actually that bad. As much as and I, they're better. As much as I have ragged on my team a little bit this week for good reason. Um, I'm 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 tipping them, and it's probably more heart than head. Arazio to kick ten, but I'm, I, I yeah, I'm, I'll tip Essendon. Which brings us to Saturday footy. Carlton play the Swans at Marvel. Carlton actually put up a fairly decent fight against a pretty good Port Adelaide. Yep. Um, and put up a pretty good fight against Richmond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they did. And Sydney haven't been looking too ominous. Yeah, the issue is Carlton often seem to put up a pretty good fight, but they don't have they don't have, they don't have the class to get themselves yeah. to get over the line. Mm-hmm. And you look at Sydney and they play terrible for three and a half quarters and still win somehow. Yeah, yeah, or get close to winning. Yeah, and yeah. I think their ability to stop teams playing their game and Carlton do it as well. But then obviously Carlton tend to not hurt people going the other way. Yeah, whereas Sydney seem to be able to stifle other teams long enough to get it going their way and you know when all else fails just give it to your center half forward and good luck stopping him yeah especially liam jones and jacob weedering both capable but not confident in either one of them to stop him if stop buddy if he's on fire like the dude like uh proved it again last week that it doesn't matter what part of the 50 meter arc he is on he will kick a goal like if it's on the very point of the fifty meter arc and the boundary line, don't matter. He'll kick it straight and get nominated for goal of the week. Yeah, over Seedsman who kicks a seventy one meter bomb. How that? Yeah, actually, uh, never mind. Right, Cox, Brent Cox's made was Brent less. made mention of it during the week. It's the top two uh, highlight of the week, but it's not a top three goal, and it's not a top three goal. What? And Mason Cox's was he made it made it look more impressive because he danced around invisible players. Yes, and and the fact that he's American, if that was anybody else, that would have been like, no, yeah. good goal. Yeah. yeah, move on. Nah, American mate. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'll, yeah, I'll nothing special. I'll be I'll be tipping Sydney. Yeah, Sydney yeah. for me. Yeah, and Sydney. Speaking of Sydney, we go out west in Sydney, and this on paper, when you look at the fixture, at the start of the year looks to be an absolute rip snorter of a contest. Hopefully, it is the same. They both come off a loss. GWS and mm. the Tigers. Yeah, in Sydney, I'm going GWS simply because Richmond weren't good last week, and they're not good out of Melbourne. They that won one true. game last year, and yeah. it was against Gold Coast. But you look at their travel record, and it's not not good. And to be fair, like Giants lost last week, but they didn't. <coughs> um, they didn't play poorly. They were just up against. They were just up against oh, the West they, Coast team that they got to their forward fifty, and then. Mm-hmm. Pretty much kicked it to Jeremy McGovern every single time. But that's what Jeremy McGovern does. He manages to get opposition teams to kick it to him no matter what. Yeah. It's it's nothing against GWS, but yeah, no, they will, I got them winning against Richmond for the exact same reason you just said. Yep, GWS for me as well. Uh, next up, Brizzy and the Power. It's at the Gabba. Brizzy played really well at the Gabba. That's a time. Port Adelaide's in pretty good form. I am leaning towards the Lions with little certainty yeah so you gave me a bit of stick for um <laughs> yeah. betting against brisbane and put some money. boys man yeah i put the odds for port adelaide are too juicy to ignore that is yeah you're i right. think it was 260 or something and port adelaide have you know been in finals contention or thereabouts consistently whereas brisbane have this is the first year where they've started with any sort of optimism and everyone's wanted this from Brisbane, but surely after two games, you can't be calling them oh, favourites yeah, against a team which you'd say has been better than them consistently. Yeah, And seeing Travis Boak and Lockie Neal go head-to-head is going to be... Can't wait. Oh, Travis yeah, Boak's in good. some amazing form. And, and so is Lockie Neal. Lockie Neal, yeah. just as, as expected, yeah. is just a star. Yeah, nah, I, I've, I've got Port Adelaide, but not by much. No, nah, it will be a cracker of a contest. The same as, um, you know... Carlton Port Adelaide, and I, surprisingly. And I am hoping that the Gabatoire <laughs> becomes 
a place that's scary for teams to go. Become a slaughterhouse once again. Because, yeah, yeah look, obviously they can't win. They, previous years they couldn't win anywhere, but... Yeah, ev- fortunately... They couldn't even win at, like, they couldn't even win at home the last yeah. few years. For, yeah, fortunately, looking at this, there's actually a little bit of deliberation about who's going to win, whereas in previous years it's like four points, Port Adelaide. Yeah. Open. So Again, it's the that, question mark game that Brisbane now mm-hmm. have. Which is um, what what we want from the competition, right? Like, exactly, yeah. I, I'm going to be tipping Port. Brisbane won last week against North Melbourne. North Melbourne, I don't rate that highly at the moment. They they could have beaten Brisbane, but they kept letting Brisbane into back into it. And if you do that against a Brisbane side, as we've seen, they're going to end up running over the top of you. But like I said, North, North Melbourne aren't that great. Port Adelaide, on the other hand, probably aren't going to let, allow that to happen. Um, yes, they had a tight contest against Carlton, but what we've already, like we already said with Carlton, they uh, are very good at stymieing your own game plan. Brisbane, I don't think, are able to do that just yet. So it was also almost torrential rain in Adelaide, well, yeah, Adelaide and patches as well, which yeah, no one can play their natural game. No, for sure. Um, so and so, who knows what happens up over in in Brisbane then? But no, if with everything permitting, I'm do I am tipping Port Adelaide to win this. Yeah, I'm gonna go Port. Once I see the teams, I'll lock it in. But um, Port for me, and the, so these two Brisbane Port are competing against each other, but as a collective, they're competing against arguably the game of the round, Collingwood West Coast, same mm. night. And I don't think too many people are going to be wanting to switch their tellies from West Coast and Collingwood. Yeah, is it worth televising the Brisbane Port Adelaide game? <laughs> Maybe just have it on as a replay after the Collingwood West Coast game. It's very weird that they would schedule the two games at the same time. You'd think it'd be a standalone because no one would be interested. Yeah, and I, I would have thought Collingwood West Coast as a grand final replay would have warranted a Friday or Thursday night. Fr- probably. A well, the Friday fact that night. it's well, Collingwood means yeah half of melbourne is going to tune in anyway oh yeah realistically the collingwood west coast game like every grand final rematch should have been the very first game of the first round yeah Yeah, they changed it i think when frio lost to hawthorne and then it wasn't yeah because that's fair it wasn't the hawthorne versus geelong opening (laughs) yeah that's right. i think so they changed it on your afl i um was very biased of me to say but i'm backing west coast and Collingwood are, they do look better than last year and they've improved their list. But you look at the recent track record and West Coast went three zip against them last year and they won both times at the G. Collingwood got off to good starts in both games and West Coast managed to reel them in. So, And they've got a um, certain wingman coming back. Yeah, that was my yeah. thing. Andy Gaff coming back into the team. Is, yeah. uh, That's a big yeah. end. That's a massive Yeah, end. and to me, Mason Cox playing, I don't think, makes any difference because he had five doesn't touches do and nothing no. doesn't do much against West to, Coast I was anyway. I about to jokingly say that I'd be expecting pretty massive odds for him to get at least one mark for the game. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He doesn't seem to get a whole lot of He might good. even kick a goal. Oh, don't, don't push well, it. Don't say that, Ben. Well, hey, he managed to kick two in the grand final. Um, I mean, I know you said Essendon were asleep, but you're not asleep as well, mate. You're not no, dreaming. No, no, I'm wide awake living the Essendon nightmare. So who does Andrew Gaff come in for? Um, by all accounts, Liam Duggan is nursing a knee injury. Yeah, right. So there's the chance of a straight swap, but then they're light on defenders because mm. Duggan has sort of made the back pocket his home and Gaff is obviously up and down the field. Yeah, And so Sheed's made it well known through the way he's playing. not. He's, he's not, not giving his side. Side. No, So not there's the chance that they'll pick someone like Schofield who... Collingwood will remember as well, but nullified them. The cha- the they also run the risk of playing. And it's only, we're only round three, but two guys haven't played a game of footy since, since the grand final. I don't yeah. think Gaff's going to be a problem whatsoever. No, he'll be raring to go. He's a he's a star regardless of yeah. how much he's played. Um, now I'm going West Coast, but I think it's going to be another nail. Well, yeah. we can all hope it's another nail yeah. biter. It will probably be just as close as uh, the grand final. But I am expecting the same result. Oh, if it is, put Dom Shade in four pocket. Yeah, West Coast for me. I um, I'm very heavily swayed by the midfielder Collingwood, but I'm also very worried about their defence and what West Coast could do to them there. And you sort of think West Coast did it without Nat Nui and Gaff and yeah. Shepherd. Yeah. And Collingwood have 
Dane Beams and Jamie Elliott, who's... So both teams have sort of like upped themselves. Yeah, it's the ante is up. Yeah, yes. Speaking of ante being up, fellas, and I know I messaged you guys on Sunday morning to talk about this and Ben said not to jinx it, but the Sunday morning time slot has been a highlight of what's very rarely been a highlight day of footy. Sunday morning has produced some absolute crackers. We had St. Kilda Gold Coast, the one-pointer, yeah. And then we had Brisbane, North Melbourne, which for a large period of the game was really, really tight. And Brisbane got over the line by a few goals. Now we've got West Western Bulldogs and Gold Coast. See, Both coming off good wins. Western Bulldogs arguably the better side mm. and really good result against Hawthorne. But Gold Coast will take some confidence out of what they did and they had a lot of shots on goal. So just because you said that, Bulldogs are going to win in the landslide. Yeah, my, my thinking is it's... You know, it's hard to tell because Gold Coast were well, thereabouts with St Kilda and they're a team that they would be whereabouts with. You know, mm-hmm. they're sort of competing in that. Most people would have put Gold Coast, St Kilda, the Bulldogs and Carlton in, in that bottom four. So who's the better of the bottom four? And a Frio team who's notoriously terrible away from home. They won one game last year away from home. Yeah. Whereas the Bulldogs look like the 2016 Bulldogs to me. Yeah, it's scary how similar that is. Like they and that Tom Bulldogs Ligatore. Hawthorne game, there were moments where it was very reminiscent of the semi final between the two of them in um twenty sixteen. Yeah, and I mean they don't well they didn't look dominant in twenty sixteen either until the finals came around. Yeah. So you you wouldn't sort of go in thinking the Bulldogs are gonna win by a hundred points because I think they'd still struggle to kick a hundred points. Yeah. But I'd Take the Bulldogs over Gold Coast. Yeah. yeah Especially I'm, it's that Marvel. I'm definitely yeah. going the oh, dogs. Sure. Yeah. But I reckon if they hadn't kicked nine goals in the last quarter last week, I wouldn't be thinking highly of them. Because they had seven goals at three quarter time. They were five goals down. And if not for a miracle quarter. And yet, how often does that happen against a Haw- uh, Alistair Clarkson led Hawthorne team? That's the question for me. If one good quarter obviously won them a game. Well, they're they're not, not going to have a nine-goal quarter probably at all again this season. I wouldn't write that off. Not that was against that was against points in a quarter. That was against Hawthorne. This is against Gold Coast. Yeah, I don't know. Nine. Yeah, but even Freo, Freo couldn't kick nine couldn't kick nine goals in a game. The the question's going to be if they shut the roof, they probably just leave it open again and blind us all for the whole game. Well, they didn't leave it open uh, last Sunday. Oh, that's nice of them. That was close. Depends. They, they didn't leave it. They, 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 I think they kept it close for the whole round last week. Yeah, that's probably because people was... Jimmy Bartell said it was a horrendous game to ground to watch footy at. Yeah. yeah, I think if you've got it closer, what's the point of not having it open? And they say, oh, it needs sun. So leave it open until the game starts yeah. and then close it. Open it during yeah, the week. Hours. <laughs> yeah. Or just have it open during the week. Even up to the yeah. game and then close it. That's what I mean. Yeah. It doesn't need to be closed yeah, all close the time. Close it for three hours yeah. or six hours a week if they play two games. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we're all we're all across the doggies. Yeah. Next game, Hawthorne North. Hawthorne coming off, as we just said, a really bad fourth quarter. North coming off a respectable game on their terms after the round one. I'll call it that. But I, I found myself I'm I'm going Hawthorne. I don't I don't really give I've that. I don't want to say I've lost faith in North Melbourne because I've never had it, <laughs> but I've lost faith in seeing the North Melbourne that we saw last year. Yeah, they, I think they were the number one defense last year, and I think I showed you the ladder after two games last year, and they'd given away ninety-eight points in two games. Yep, that's insane. And they have far cry from that team. Yeah, and Hawthorne is Hawthorne. At their best, they could win a flag. At their worst, you don't know, but at North Melbourne's best, it's yeah. it's too unpredictable. You don't even know what their best is. So if, yeah, so if, if North Melbourne's best and Hawthorne's worst, it's still fifty fifty. Yeah, so Hawthorne. A lot of like, <laughs> what does that tell you? Yeah, objectively, you kind of have to go Hawthorne. Yeah, Hawthorne for sure. To me, North looked like a team that are lost for a team that is was on the cusp of the eight last year. They've gone obviously they've gone out and tried to lure a superstar and haven't got one. They've got what you'd say would be sort of the B list. Jared Pollock's a good player, but he's not someone you'd throw a million dollars at, like Dusty or Jordan DeGoey. No. You look at the age of all the players that they chase and they're all in their 
sort of late 20s. Mm. So if they were to rebuild now, it would take them, what, six, seven years to get the players that they have now, the young players like Taron Thomas, Bailey Scott, yeah, as elite stars of the team. None of those players that they've got are going to be there. No. And they'd be lucky if Ben Brown's there. Oh, for sure. And Sean Higgins is far and away their best player. I think they assumed that they were going, their premiership window was open when it isn't at all. Yeah, it seemed like they were happy. Oh, we're ninth, so we're on the right track. Let's not, all we need is, you know, Jared Pollock. (laughs) Yeah, new. Yeah, you're taking your flag. (laughs) So the final game of the round is at Optus Stadium Twilight between a disappointing Fremantle and uh, I don't know how to judge their form St. Kilda because as much as St. Kilda won on the weekend, anyone could have won that yeah, game. They didn't really play a team last so last week. I'm, I'm kind of confused about this. Fremantle being at home, they did play well at home round one, but then they were just disgraceful. Yeah, so if we want to sort of look at the form line, Frio annihilated North Melbourne, which... A lot of people wouldn't have expected. Mm-hmm. Failed miserably on the road last week, which a lot of I know Nathan expected it. Yeah. <laughs> Quietly yeah. expected. If it, it. So if it wasn't for it being the last game of the round, and I knew I'd won the round of tipping if I just went the same as everyone else, <laughs> so I went Frio just to stay the same as everyone. Um, it was actually I did see that with our someone I can't remember who it was, but someone in our tipping comp tipped Gold Coast. Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah, they were. That was inspired. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't. I would. I would shake the hand of the person who did that. Um, had had I thought you would have tipped Gold Coast, I would have gone them as well just to cancel it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, staying on staying on like the same track. You look at St Kilda. They're there. Like we said, they're thereabouts with Gold Coast. So beating the teams you're thereabouts with mm-hmm. is sort of expected. Mm. And then with Essendon, where they were, it's surprising that Essendon were that bad, and it was maybe a bit less surprising that St Kilda jumped on the opportunity to, you know, beat a team while they were down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So having said that, only lost by two goals to Essendon. So yeah, that, there's yeah. your thing. That's you what know. got me. I was thinking if St. Kilda don't win this with how badly Essendon played in that first quarter in particular, yeah. then there is something. Yeah, the game really that game should have been over that quarter yeah. time. Yeah. The thing about Frio is they're obviously way better at home than they are on yeah. the road. And would like to think they'll make amends to last week. Even their effort wasn't bad against like Ross Lane always in a loss will just say, oh, no one would be unhappy with the effort. And so mm-hmm. I think everyone's sick of hearing it. They just want to see their team play like execute better. Yeah. And this this obviously is And they don't want to see Jesse Hogan in the mid as the, the best high, midfielder. No, yeah. No. And this is not an excuse for Freo because both teams play in the exact same conditions. But as a viewer, I don't know what it was like at the ground, but it sure looked like in the first three quarters it's shocking to watch. that the lighting there was horrendous. The oh, sun's yeah. coming through. And because Metricon has that kind of bubbly roof, mm. there's patches of like semicircle light all across the ground. And so yeah. both Gold Coast and Freo players would run into this light from a patch of darkness and just be hit by this light and the ball's in the air. Yep. Um, and it reminded me of what they were saying about Eddie Head. So I hope to never watch a Metricon Twilight game again. I think it was halfway through the second quarter. My wife had just got home from work. I'm sitting on the couch and she's just sort of, you know, she's used to me watching Freo, just me sitting there like shaking my head. <laughs> and then I seriously sat there and was like, I think this is one of the worst games I've ever seen. Like mm-hmm. the standard was terrible from both teams. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I know Gold Coast had like 30 scoring shots or something. Yeah. So they shot themselves in the foot, but you wouldn't be confident no. it. Either was, of those two teams winning a game. Cam McCarthy was a notable one. He was on the lead and the ball came at him and then he just sort of stopped and threw his hands in the air and <laughs> wasn't anywhere near the ball. So it was was that Cam McCarthy so or was we'll, that yeah, yeah. Sun? We'll give him a pass based on round <laughs> yeah. one and say it must have been the Sun. So that I guess I, I'm leaning-ish to Frio I'm, based on home. I'm oh. going Frio just because they're at home. Yeah. The line is I'll go with Juicy. It's um, yes. St. Kilda within... 15 and a half points, which is, you know, within which is 16 points, which yeah. I think is going by the St. Kilda we've seen and the Frio, I guess, of old that we saw last week yeah. is very, very feasible. But yeah. Frio are a lot better at home than they are away. Yeah. So I think they'll St. Kilda will need to show up. They won't, I don't think they can expect a 58-point yeah. showing from Frio on no. Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised if St. Kilda do show up. 
it's more of a case of will Frio kick a winning score this week? Um, and I'm hedging my bets that they will. So Frio for me. Well, that's our round three preview, everyone. So if you've got your own thoughts on the games, please comment on the Facebook page. We'll be posting content throughout the round and throughout the upcoming week before the next episode. So get on board, like and, and jump in the conversation on those. Um, also, we've got our next section coming up, which is closing questions. If you do have any answers to the questions that we that we ask, please jump on board and give us your thoughts because we'd love to hear them. Yeah, and we'd love to hear any questions you guys have as well. We'd love to ask each other and answer them as well. So if you've got any questions you'd like to hear us answer, just post them on the Facebook page or message the page and we'll, we'll get to them. Sure. Okay, so question um, number one. Yeah. I'm going to fire away with the one that I just thought of today, not the one I've been thinking about for a few days. <laughs> I want to finish on that one. But looking at this round, it's been pretty hard to deliberate who exactly we're going to pick, right, in some games. But who's your round three lock? If you had to pick one game where your life depended on a result, who would you back and why? They're all relatively tight. That's the thing. GWS because Richmond are useless away yeah. from home. I'm actually going to go Bulldogs. And Toby Green. I'm I'm tipping Bulldogs. They play really well at Marvel. They've been playing really good football. They seem to be back to their, their finals winning best. Bulldogs would be the lock, especially against Gold Coast. Cool. And mine would be Hawthorne at the G because I don't against know what North are like at the G. Yeah. 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 yeah that. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we've had two weeks go. Uh, so from the from the last two rounds, which team has been the most disappointing for you, and which team has been the most surprising for you? Um, I put Essendon in both because I think most people would have them in their top eight. I had them in my top four. Yeah, yeah. So for them to start so badly and not look like a team, I know it's. Easy to overreact at round two. It's just the way they've been playing is yeah. really bad and disappointing and surprising in itself that for a yeah. team that's only adding talent I'm to not, seem like it's going backwards. Is, see, for me, I guess it's not surprising to me that they've started off a bit on the wrong foot, but it is disappointing. But it's probably not as disappointing for me as Melbourne are because, every again, everyone had them in... Like around that top four, maybe even going into that next step up and going like being grand final contenders. Yeah, it's only been two rounds, but they've lost to Port when they were up, and then they lost abysmally to Geelong, even though they had seventy odd inside fifties. A really a really good team, a top four team, a team vying for a grand final spot probably isn't going to be doing that. Yeah, I sort of give them a pass for the last couple of weeks because they. A lot of their players haven't had full preseason, so they seem really unfit. Now, it doesn't mean it's not a pass for the whole season because now they're two games behind, potentially three games behind. Yeah. And we've seen before it takes teams, you know, sometimes three or four weeks before they're really operating at their best because they're going to get yeah. all of their kinks out. So if Melbourne are already two weeks behind, it doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence to make the eight, but I sort of give them a, a bit of a pass because it seems... Especially round one, they just couldn't run the game out. Yeah, yeah. Um, most well, the most surprising for me would be um. Well, okay, going from what I previewed before, Geelong. Damn it! Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Didn't mean to do that. Ah, uh, you're right. Um, but yeah, like because I did, I I said it in when we when I previewed the Geelong team that you know I would expect them to slide a little bit. To, Key stars just keep getting older. Yeah, I'm it'll be su- interesting to see if they can still manage it. I'm I think surprised. we all had them sliding, and yet they're currently. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised at how good they've been. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, they've just gelled, and it's made Chris Scott look like probably even more of a genius than he is. Um, yeah, it's it's very surprising. So disappointed for me is a flip of the coin between both your guys. Um, I'd probably lean towards Essendon purely based on what happened on the weekend um, and not like I, I didn't I didn't necessarily have think they were going to knock off West Coast and Collingwood and that but I thought they were going to be really dominant um, 
But in saying that, they have the excuse that they're missing a key defender and their number one forward. So key defender might be back this week. <laughs> There's talk that you know he, they could they could bring him in. So if they can somehow turn it around, as we saw the ladder from last year, it's it's actually not too late, despite all the the talk yeah. about being Col- zipping two. Gold Coast were two zip last this time last year. Well, given that one game will get them Collingwood were zero and two. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is zero and two with a seventy four percent seventy four percentage. Like it's anything yeah. can happen. Anything. And then, yes, yeah, as you could tell by my reaction, my surprise is Geelong as well. I did not rate them as highly as they're playing right now. Um, the fact that they destroyed Melbourne and knocked off Collingwood is impressive. Considering how well Collingwood played against Richmond now, looking mm. back on it, like the fact that Geelong beat Collingwood yep. in the manner that oh, they did. Sure. You know. And I think the, the game against Melbourne... The reason why it impressed me so much, because you might think, yeah, Melbourne's useless, but the display Melbourne put on in round one and what they copped for it and then to come out and still get steamrolled by Geelong says a lot for Geelong and the fact that even though Melbourne would have been seething after round one, they still got they still belted them. <laughs> okay, I've got... While we're in the round two overreaction period... Yep. Friday night, someone has to lose. Well, they could draw, but... Okay, it's they, likely someone will be zero and three. Yeah, who's in more trouble at zero and three? Uh, I want to say again. I want to say Melbourne. He just doesn't want to say it. I don't. I really <laughs> don't. <laughs> he doesn't would, even need to give a it justification. Would, it would kill me. <laughs> we already know what the reason yeah. is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was trying to give a reasoning by looking at you know the the next few rounds and seeing who else they uh, play. No, I'll, I'll back you up. I think Melbourne are in more trouble. Because they were a top f- when the finals was over, they were a top four team. Yep. Last year, they were that everyone has tipped them to be top four again this year. A lot of people will have Essendon anywhere from the cusp of the eight to the cusp of the four. So the expectation mm-hmm. is on Melbourne, whereas it's slightly less on Essendon. Yeah, I think there, were, given- there were still people who were expecting Essendon to miss the eight. Yeah, and I. Uh, just from what Essendon have dished up versus what Melbourne have dished up, if Essendon get over the top, I think Melbourne are in more trouble than if mm-hmm. yeah. if Melbourne win. It's sort of like, oh, cool, they might be on the, the yep. right track. Yeah, but with the way Essendon's playing right now, if Melbourne's to lose that, then it's doomsday. Yeah, I think 0-3, we've seen most teams, is, yeah. that's pretty much it. 0-3 for Essendon and people will just keep going with the memes. Well, then probably- <laughs> oh, 0-3 for Melbourne and everyone suddenly gets out their pitchforks. Yeah, if, yeah. if it's 0-3 for Essendon, people probably think, oh, Melbourne's back. Yeah. But if it's 0-3 for Melbourne, they probably think, Melbourne's useless. Yeah. So either way, it's... I think it's Melbourne. Yeah. It's a Melbourne yeah. response. Okay, I've got a question and Ben and I probably ask ourselves this a lot lately, but um, and maybe me for a long time. But I was thinking about it after the Suns game and I thought to myself... Why do I support these guys? <laughs> <laughs> and and so I got to thinking, what is your reason? And because when I was sitting there thinking, I was like, but you can't. Once you support a team, you can't. can't you That's just it. can't turn away from it. Like the feeling inside of you, no matter if you logically want to pick something else, if you, you can't do it. If you change your team, you must perform seppuku on yourself, <laughs> or Hardy Kiri, or whatever it, one it is. It just Seppuku. it just doesn't sit well because it's it's. It, you can't actually feel the same passion for something else yeah. because it's been instilled in you. No. So the question I had uh, is why do you support the team that you support? And it can be anywhere from daddy made me to I jumped on the bandwagon because they won a flag when I was young. Actually, for me, I'm pretty sure daddy's disappointed that I don't support West Coast because um, he's a massive West Coast supporter. Uh Right now, you're probably in the same. Ben's, the is, Ben's <laughs> is definitely the they won a flag when he was young. Uh yeah, <laughs> to, a, well, to a degree. Okay, yeah, two thousand and one. So, because like, so I mean, back yeah. backstory for me is like, you know, I, I'm not. I initially before before I got into football in the AFL, I was actually into basketball. A uh, big fan of Chicago because yeah, just like every Australian in the late early nineties. 
Chicago Definitely. Bulls were the only NBA team that existed. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> and Michael Jordan was the only, like was probably the only player that everyone and Luke knew. Luke Longley because he was Australian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But so I started playing foot, like Auskick and all that sort of stuff, and and started actually uh, watching uh, AFL games and really, really watching AFL games, and being the little little type that I was, um, I was like, oh yeah, there's a team that also has red and black my actually my favorite player at the when i started getting into Essendon was mark johnson because he just had that no nonsense like didn't have a mouth guard instead he had chewing gum like it yeah, was the dennis rodman of the afl <laughs> I, I loved him um so just through all of that and then they yeah they ended up winning a premiership fl- uh flag in 2000 was the most dominant team that's why i ended up supporting Essendon just because it's just they were just that good and really spoke to me my, I'm, I'm guessing it's because as I started getting into footy, it made sense because they at the time West Coast were the only team in Perth. So this would have been probably just before Frio entered the league. And I think the reasoning for my parents was, well, if he's going to be into footy, he may as well support a team he can actually go and watch. Fair enough. And my first Auskick team wore Eagles, Eagles, yeah, Guernseys. Right. So it worked out for me. See, if I'd done that, I would have ended supporting Richmond. Um, Gross. Yeah. Uh, for me, I was solely based on the fact that the first three or four games I ever went to live were Frio games. I still remember the first game I went to was Frio-Sydney. They lost, but Troy Cook, who played for Sydney at the time, knocked out Jess Sinclair, who was my favourite player. Mm. And then the second game I went to was against Adelaide the year they won the flag in 98. Yep. And Frio won by a point in round 17. And so I was like, yes, they won. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can really go for them. So... As you would have guessed, it's not because I jumped on a bandwagon because there's never been one to jump on. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just the the first few games I went to. I think the next game I went to was when Andrew Wills. Maybe it was before that. I just remember one of the first games I went to was Andrew Wills kicked a freakish soccer goal against North Melbourne at the Wacker. And um, go on YouTube, look up Andrew Wills' goal versus North. Not bad. Just look up Andrew Wills. It's, yeah, it's probably, his only highlight. Probably yeah. enough to come up. Yeah. So yeah, first game. So. We sort of live, well, we've lived through an era where when we were younger, there was a lot of one-on-one footy, but we've seen the game evolve. So that sort of, you know, genuine one-on-one contests and you know, gladiator battles between full forwards, full backs, centre-half forwards, centre-half backs, we haven't really seen. But with the new rules, we are likely to see it a lot more, especially with full forwards like starting in the square. Yeah. So... But a matchup I've always sort of looked forward to and it seems to just carry on all the time is Phil Davis and Lance Franklin. Mm. So my question for you guys is Davis on Franklin, the Jakovic carry of our generation. Just given the quality of Lance Franklin and the ability yeah. of Phil Davis to just regularly stop him. Um. Yeah, I mean, you make it's a it's a good point, um, and you can't. I'm, I'm trying to think of other matchups that would be similar to that. Yeah, I've sort of been. I was racking my mind when I sort of racking my brain when I put this question together, trying to think of one on ones that I have genuinely sort of lived that, through. That sort not of, at the that tail end of half my... back versus center half forward. Just yeah, and yeah. sort of you know the tail end of my childhood when I didn't follow. You know, I watched it, but I didn't really understand like, yeah, as yeah. much as I do now. And th- now we've sort of been robbed of the genuine, you know, you go out and you watch your full forward and see how they can get the best of whoever they're on. And it's Davis and Franklin seems to be the only memorable one for me. Yeah. I kind of feel like, so Franklin, well and truly, everyone probably put that down. Um, with, Nor- with North and, I guess, West Coast back then, um they probably got, particularly North with their Friday night footy, they probably got a lot more coverage than Phil Davis gets at the Giants. And I don't think he gets the televised games to give him yeah. that level of prestige um, yeah. or exposure. So if he if he was getting more time on, say, Saturday night, Friday night games um, where he could showcase that, people would probably think, obviously people think highly of him, but I think it would take him to a new level if he had that added exposure. But yes, I, I, if Phil Davis played for Collingwood or Richmond or maybe not Essendon right now, but one of the big Victorian clubs yeah. Yeah. getting constant coverage, 
um, Carlton last year. It'd be massive. He, he would, yeah. It would be it would be sold as a much better ticket than Phil Davis playing against Franklin at what's it called now? Sim- Skoda, whatever, whatever it's called, Spotless. Yeah, Spotless. Yeah. Well, yeah, whatever, whatever the <laughs> home ground is right now. Um, yeah, it'd be seen as a far more prestigious game or matchup. Yeah. Extension of that question. So aside from Stephen May versus Tom Lynch, for obvious reasons, yeah. what's a matchup now that we're likely to see more of those traditional one-on-ones in the goal square? What What's a matchup that you can't wait to see? We'll eliminate Stephen May and Tom Lynch because I think everyone's dying to see that. Oh, yeah. Um, you can look to the future if you want. So that a matchup I'm dying to see. Or you think would be... You know, a matchup that's going to rival something like Jakovic Kerry going into the future. If it can stay on the park and Weedering ends up being a really good fullback, I would like. I I do think Danaher Weedering has the potential to be that because you've got Danaher who if Danaher ever plays again, I, that's what I mean. If if he if Danaher manages to stay on the park and actually is Half as good as Matty Lloyd ended up being for the Bombers. Um, if he stays on the park and is able to do that, and if Weedering continues on his progression, uh, his development, um, there's no reason to suggest that they can they can't have some really good battles against each other. Because um, Weedering is a real a pretty decent yeah. defender. Um, uh, he just needs to you know just keep playing the game essentially. There's a reason they took him as what like their first round pick one pick one a few years back, um, yeah. If if that would be my my one, um, but it's there's a few things that need to go right for that to happen. So while you're thinking, <laughs> I didn't I didn't really have an answer, so I just threw to get through two together, Jezza Cameron and James Sicily. Oh yeah, that, just because yeah. there'd be a bit of niggle as well. Yeah, well, yeah. The, Sure. But that's just oh man, could I, you could you imagine? I was going to give you a no answer. It should be <laughs> um should be James Sicily versus Toby Green in that aspect. What about Darcy Moore and Charlie Kerno? Ooh, that'd be yeah, right. that's good. I like that. That's nice. Oh, if Charlie Kerno lives up to his potential, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and if Carlton get any better any any time <laughs> soon, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if the ball gets to him, yeah, could even go. Uh, was it? Uh, it's James Sisley and uh, Jordan Ngoi. Just James Sisley on anyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> any other <laughs> any other questions, fellas? Nah, I think that's it. All right, so we're good for the uh, episode six. That's your wrap of round two and your preview of round three. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. And please come back next Thursday morning or anytime Thursday uh, where we release episode seven and talk to you about all things grand final rematch. Can't wait for Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Enjoy that footy. Have a great night, guys.